Welcome to Afternoon Delight. Real people, real stories, a local podcast for local artists. Hello everyone. We've got a double bill of Afternoon Delight this week, just in time for Christmas. Yes, Santa was very good to all of you this year, me included, emptied a sack all over my living room floor and I'm still cleaning up the mess. There's not enough bleach to get rid of those marks. We had an amazing House of Liability Christmas show, it was honestly such a treat. We even had Santa do a guest appearance. I'm very fortunate that my ex-husband, Cole, is good friends with Santa, phoned him, did me a wee favour. Um, you know, it, there's only so much you can really do though, and I'm glad that it paid back. <sighs> Going for that heartbeat recall to get Santa for my show. Here we are, we've done it. And it was such a success. I love my residence, and I can't wait till we're live. And we've got the show on its feet because let's face it, after the week we've had, we need to just really look forward to the little things and the big things in 2021. So thank you if you're joining me for Afternoon Delight because honestly, I love that we've nearly reached the end of season one and the first guest of the double bill is very special. The guest I've got this week first is such a true drag legend in my opinion, especially in the Scottish drag community. I've known this drag queen for a long time, for about three and a half years, because I met them at Delmonica's back in the day when I did their suck off. I never got the chance to really speak to them because there's always this chaotic energy when you go and do a show that you're focusing on your lip sync, people come in, you just don't really get the chance to actually enjoy a night when you're performing and get to say, hi, lovely to meet you, what's your name, who are you, what do you do, what's your star sign? Well, I've got my moment this episode to ask those questions. <laughs> no introduction really is ever done without me asking people's zodiac signs, but I guessed this one correctly because I just knew. Um, a, a powerhouse in the drag community, like I've said, very creative, a water sign, of course, I'm not surprised. And Scorch the Earth really sums them up well. I love hanging about with Scorpios and I love having friends that are Scorpios and I really am blessed to have met and spent time with the incredible CG Banks. <laughs> Having a guest this week, fantastic Glasgow drag queen. I remember meeting this drag queen and they were dressed up as a sort of David Bowie starman type look and it was gorgeous many years ago. And I discovered on YouTube them singing as well, which was just exceptional, doing Bring On The Men from Jekyll and Hyde Musical, one of my favourite songs. Um, it's honestly such a pleasure to introduce the amazing Fiji Banks. Oh my goodness, thank you so much for having me, Georgia. I'm very excited to spend time with you and chat back and forth because you're just as interesting as uh, as I am. So we get to know each other a bit better. That's very sweet of you to say that. And can I just try and guess this, right? Being from Zodiac Star Sign, are you like a Libra or a Scorpio? I am a Scorpio. Right. What does that mean? Uh, right, I'll go and phone Lucy and I'll come back on this in two <laughs> Because, like, I, I'm one of these people that grew up being, like, star signs mean fuck all. Oh, yeah. uh, um, I, I just don't believe it. But I'm also, like, I, I, apparently Scorpios are very, like, stubborn and, like, 
feisty and like I, I always think of it as like I'm a scorch the earth type of person. Like if you've if you fuck me over, I'm like cool, I'm I'm cordial, but I will never trust you again. And apparently that's quite a Scorpio thing. Yeah, that is Scorpio to a T doll. Like especially when we did the episode for She's the Man on Screen Queens. I remember at the end thinking, right, we've got me Aquarius being like I think everyone can meet the right person and you're like if you score me I will fuck you over and I'm like right Scorpio that's okay like totally though like I'm just that type of person where because I'm not a particularly trustworthy person but funnily enough I expect it from other people so I'm like if you if you lie to me on such a scale I'm like out my life I will never trust you again let's just scorch the earth move on I love that phrase. I'm going to bear this in mind at the end of the episode. I'll watch what I say. <laughs> so um, for the afternoon to like listeners, to be honest, I think a lot of them, especially sort of people in the drag circuit, will know who you are. But I would like to think, in case they don't, could you just share um, who you are, if that would be great? Of course. My name is C.G. Banks. I am 25 this year. I can't remember if I've even had my birthday or not. I'm 25 years old. I have been doing drag for like four years in Glasgow um, and yeah I just like to have fun I like to keep it positive um, I've been living in Glasgow for like six or seven years now and I like to think that I make a difference in people's lives with my positivity and my entertaining qualities love that that was lovely that was really summed up is that a good intro is that how other people introduce themselves I mean, pretty much, yeah. I mean, you've been very modest. Some people are like, yeah, I am the, like, drag um, leader of the community and next politician in the making. You know, we've got had a lot of people introduce themselves and tell me their life stories in the first question, so that's... Honestly, I'm just, I'm very, not even humble, I just, like, uh, I'm very, I don't know if this is a Scorpio thing, but I'm very much, like, I like to just let my actions do the talking. I hate, I, I over-talk for days, but I'm also just, like, well, I just want to do the thing and you can read into it whatever you want to read into it. Keep us guessing, I love that. Yeah. So before you got kind of involved in drag, because I don't know you as well at the Glasgow scene as everyone else, just because we've never crossed circles that much. Yeah. But before you got into drag, you know, where did you grow up? Did you study at college or uni? What did you kind of do before you fell into drag? So I'm originally from Kilmarnock. I was born there. Um, grew up uh, basically, I moved house when I was like nine or ten. So at nine-ish, I moved out into the countryside because we lived on like an old farmhouse because it was my grand's house and it's hundreds of years old and it's attached to my dad's business because he is a welder, he's a blacksmith and a fabricator. So we lived on a really old farmhouse which was attached to the workshop. So like, there was this weird thing in Stairshire which is there was only one Catholic school and basically they would like bus in people from miles away because it was the only Catholic school. And if you had went to a Catholic primary, they basically had to provide transport. So I got taxis to school for every single, like for the entirety of second year, not because we were fancy, but because we had to go to the Catholic school and it was something that East Ayrshire council like did. Um, So I grew up out in the countryside and I think when I was like, I, I was talking about, like, I got into theatre really young. I think the first thing I ever did... You know school nativities, right? <laughs> so I remember in primary one, I did um, 
Stars in Their Eyes, the talent show. We did Reach for the Stars, and I came up with the choreo, and it was delicious. Um, and then, like, in primary seven, I remember doing... I went for the lead in the school nativity, and I got the lead. I was the, the wise man number one, because this was the nativity all about the wise men. So it was shake, rattle, and roll, and I was shake. And... Um, so I got to sing those songs, but I remember when I was in maybe like second or third year, um, I joined a kind of theatre, I don't know how you would describe it, it was like a it was theatre classes that you could go to, but they also put on productions and they also had classes that some of the older kids could teach the younger kids. So I got really involved there. Like, and, a, um, like a youth theatre, basically. It was, but like they catered from literally so they did like toddler mums and toddlers things so all the way from that to musical generations which was they brought in care home people so it was a it was kind of like a community center based around music and theater so like I first started by doing the classes so there was like a 15 to 21 group that did musical theater and they would do a production each year and they would do like showcases of like classic theater numbers and I was in there for for a few years and then I ended up working there as well as going there so I would teach younger kids I would lead the Saturday morning classes with like the five to eight year olds and um, we also did like outreach programs and kind of um uh, communities that were struggling so like we I, I, I don't know if you have you ever heard of RD or no, I don't know what that is. No, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like we would go out into kind of communities where there wasn't a lot of um, theatre or music or chances to express yourself, and we would lead these classes with the kids. And you know, the kids, some of them had really rough circumstances, and this was a chance for them to like get away from having to care for their younger siblings or from like working and stuff and they got to be you know expressive and they we didn't do like big musical theater things but it was just like games and like confidence building stuff so that was really like I think at that at that stage I realized like what leaning into musical theater and um just physical expression can do for a lot of people because there's kind of kids that I remember coming to that, that I'm still friends with on Facebook and I've seen how they've translated that into their own life and stuff. Um, so I, yeah, no, I really loved being part of that. Um, and when I, when I was in school, I was, you know, doing exams and all that. And I remember I was applying for a lot of different things when it came to uni. So I, um, I applied for a few different places down in England to do PPE, which is philosophy, politics, and economics. PPE is the degree that like every prime minister of the UK has had basically. So I, for some reason was like, I'm going to go and study that. Um, but I also then, I love maths and I love numbers. So I also applied to do maths, statistics, uh, accounting and finance. Um, and then at the same time, I was also applying to colleges and theatre places to do musical theatre. So right. you know how like when you're in sec theatre and they're like, right, what do you want to do? I was like, so I'm applying for, people always usually, like, when the, when you're on UCAS, remember UCAS? When you're on UCAS, usually it's the same course in five different places. Yeah. I had five different courses in five different places on UCAS, and then three different applications for musical theatre on a different server. So I remember I was sitting there, I was like, 
what's going on here. Um, basically, like to cut a long story short, I think because there's more security in like accountancy and finance, my mum and dad, my parents were kind of like, you should do that and then keep the theatre for like, you know, your downtime. That can be your, your fun stuff. So I went to Strathclyde and I studied math, stats, accounting and finance. The plan was to become an actuary, which is like an insurance broker person. I know. Um, but apparently they make lots of money and I was like, let's do that. Um, didn't really enjoy university at all. Um, I got to third year and I was like, I, I didn't make any friends. I didn't really speak to anyone at lectures. I would like turn up with my headphones in because I was living in Kilmarnock, just getting the bus up, going to lectures, coming back down. I didn't live in Glasgow. I didn't ever do freshers week. Didn't get to know anyone in my classes because I'm very like, I don't know. I, I didn't think it was important to get to know people in uni. I was like, I'm here to learn, whatever. Um, but by the time I got to third year, I was like, I'm not having fun here. Um, and, and speaking to a lot of people who've done university, I'm, you know, no one enjoys it as far as I can tell. I've never met a person who's like, I loved uni and I loved studying. And coming from school, I loved school. I loved studying. I loved all my teachers. I loved, you know, there's bullying and stuff, but I loved learning in that environment. And then the jump up to uni, I was like, there's no one telling me what homework to do. There's no one like saying, here's what you kind of need to know. It was very like, you have to do all the work. And so I learned in that experience that I'm not great at like telling myself to do tasks. I need to be told, go and do this. And if someone tells me, I'll go and do it. Um, but I, so I dropped out of uni after third year because at that point I was starting to get into drag a bit more. I think I'd already got my mother took a residency maybe at that point. Oh. And I said to myself, uh, it'll probably come up multiple times in this conversation, but the thing you need to know about me is I have a massive fear of death. Death is something that I think about every single day. Is what motivates me to make every decision that I do in my life. And so when I got to a point where I was in third year uni and I got my mother took a residency, I said, I can either finish uni, go into a nine to five that I hate and, you know, be one of those people who despises their day job, but does it for the money, does it for the security, and spends every moment you're not in the office doing fun things. Or I can try and follow drag. Um, there's no security, there's not great money, but every single day I get to say that I do the thing I love. So I chose the lesser option. And this, you know, 2020 is the only year where I thought, did I make the right decision? But I will stand by it because... If I'd said, right, I am, you know, I'm going to finish this degree, I'm going to get a job, who knows where I would be? Who knows if I would be on the brink of depression, anxiety, suicide because of putting myself through that? So that's what I did before I, you know, got into drag properly. Um, and it's kind of a world away from where I am now when I think about it, but I think it's like formed my decision making process, if you know what I mean. Totally. I find, honestly, like, inspiring. And that's not, like, to be cliche and go, you're inspiring, but literally, like, that actually is amazing to hear that because I don't, obviously, like I've said, know a lot about you and I would never... I think anyone we meet, we often, especially on these episodes, go, oh, we wouldn't have thought that about that person, but that's why I do this podcast, to let people get to know people in a nice way. 
in an intimate way. And honestly, like, I had no idea that you were doing finance, going to go down sort of banker-type routes. And, yeah. you know, there comes a point, I guess it's kind of like that eat, eat, pray, love thing, that you kind of have to take a step back and go, do you know what, maybe I'm just going to do what I want and take the risk. Because um, taking the risk is the kind of scariest part, really. Once you're in it, you're in it, which is you know you're in it, so you don't have to worry about stuff like that. But before, you probably have been like, can I take this jump, this leap of faith? But it's, it's brilliant. And a couple of points I'd add. So the funny thing when you talk about the Catholic school, my stepsister used to get the bus and they would pick her up. And I remember you thinking, you sure do you like sod? Like, how are you getting a bus to like school and I have to like walk? Like, um, but that was Catholic school thing in Edinburgh as well. So yeah, surprised me, but I never knew you went to Catholic school. What was, and I know you said you loved being at school, but what was that like growing up queer in a Catholic school if you wouldn't mind sharing? So I, I came out while I was still in school because I think I had my first boyfriend already before I left school. Um, I, wow. Come on, it's a very small town. Um, amazing you came out in a Catholic school with a boyfriend. Yeah. Not only that, um, so I was I was head boy as well. So I was the gay head boy of Catholic school. Not only that, the one before me, me and the one after me, we were all the only out gay kid in the year and we all got head boy. So it was kind of like a tradition of like, I always like to say, if you're openly queer and embracing yourself, you're so charismatic that when you go into the interview of Head Boy, you're like, I can fucking do this. Like, what's no tea? I'll get it. Um, no, my, my school experience, I, I'm a very like I was I was good in school. I, I got like, you know, Ollie's and all whatever's. Um, and I really enjoy learning. I think I need to have a taskmaster. I need to have a teacher that says, go and do this. But I'm also super competitive. Um there's a really fun example in higher maths um, our teacher, Mrs. Wilson, who I love very much, she loved, we were in the top set. So we were like the, the top class. And what she would do is every single class test, she would change the seating order and you would be sat according to where you came in the test. So if you came first, you got the back right corner seat and it snaked all its way down. Literally it snaked its way down to the door because if you got a lower score than the person who got the top score in the second set, you would move room to, you would move teacher and you would move class. So if you were at the door, you were like, I need to fight to stay in this class. And it totally worked. The people at the bottom of the door were like, I don't want to leave here because I know this teacher and how she works. And if I go down there, I'll have to, you know, rearrange everything. And it sounds really like harsh, but honestly, as like we would all then help the people who were in the front row and also they were in the front row so the teacher could help them more because they were sitting right in front of her um, but me and there was a boy who I used to compete against and me and him were always at each other's throats and we would just swap one two one two one two um, but I, I'm so competitive that that's what got me to like push harder um, in terms of like I got really bullied in like first second and third year but it was your classic like it was, do you know where it is? It always happens in the PE changing rooms because you're like surrounded by all boys and there's no teachers around and blah, 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 blah. Thankfully, when we moved into a new building, because um, our school it was old and got demolished and we got a new one, there was six dressing rooms, so three for the girls, three for the boys. And they kind of just got to, you got to decide which one you went in yourself. So all the, like, all the bullies, all the people that hung around with each other, they went in one and then all the kind of 
alt, so you know, the, the emos, the goth, the gays, the quiet, you know, book types all went in the second one. So after that point, there wasn't really a problem. And also because I was head boy, I got like really friendly with all the teachers by like, you know, by sixth year, but also by fourth and fifth year. Um, and so I think people knew that not to pick on me because I had power. Um, but I loved school. I, I would go back. Um, and I have often said I would go back like today and give a speech on not going to uni if you don't feel ready. Because I feel like so many people say, so many kids get pushed into higher education, even if they don't want to, if they don't like what they have to study. I can't imagine going through clearing and being like, oh, I didn't get what I wanted, so now I'm just going to take whatever. I want to go back and be like, take a gap year, work in the service industry, work in uh, retail, work in hospitality, because so many of the people I know that went straight from school to uni and now from uni to a nine-to-five, they've got no concept of, like, what nine-to-fivers, eh, what retail, what hospitality people go through, like a hard day's work. Um, and so I would I, I would recommend, like, do not go straight to uni because you're not ready for it. And so that's what I would... I would love to go back and say that. Like. It's funny because I've been asked to go back next year, so after August, to my old school and give a talk in drag about sort of... I would do it. Yeah, and I've been asked by um, the Edinburgh National Festival who, like, funded me to do my MA. And they were like, oh, would you go and just give, like, a speech? Um, because obviously now they can't do it with COVID and at risk, but sort of August onwards, and could I talk to fifth and sixth years who were applying to uni? And I'd said to her, I was like, well... I want to do that, but if I do that, I'm not going to stand there and go, so get your statements and get all these, get this all sorted. Like, I'm going to stand there and say, I, 10 years ago, was not sitting there thinking I'm going to do drag, and here I am. Where yeah. you are might work for you, but it might not where you are in 10 years, and there's nothing wrong with that. And it's funny you talk about UCAS statements. I remember, quite similar to you, when I was in sixth year, my statement was fitting psychology, English, drama, and film. But, like, I was applying for five courses, two which were theatre, and then all these other ones. And I remember sitting thinking, like, am I actually wanting to do one of these? Or am I just literally going to uni because I'm getting told to? Because schools put the pressure on that we paid for you to do these exams, so you have to get good results. We want you to go to uni because it makes us look good. And a lot of my friends within two years dropped out. And yeah, uh, that's... That, I, I found the same thing. Like, I was in the group of people who think all seven or eight of us applied for uni. I think most of us got in. I think all eight or seven got, you know, conditions or unconditionals and went. And within the first two years, three or four of them had dropped out because they didn't want to study these things or they'd never lived away from home. Like, they moved up to halls and they couldn't take care of themselves. and didn't. So I think that, like, I, I remember when I... Um, it was a random like series of events but when I was in like first or second year I had to fill in like a flat share for one of my brothers because he was moving out to move in with his girlfriend and he was like I've still got seven months left on the on the thing can you like live here for seven months and just like fill it out for me and I was I think I was like 16 or 17 and I was like 100% because I was gay and I couldn't use grinder on the countryside um so I was like I would happily do that because I genuinely think like living on your own teaches you so much about the world. It teaches you the bills you need to pay, the amount of work you need to do to cover those bills. Like I even if you're on, you know, um 
what's it called student fees or whatever student loan even if you're on that like you know that that's your budget for the month and you can only spend that much and that's got to cover your rent and that's got to cover food so you've only got this to go out with I think that that is more of a life skill than going to university and I would I would do the same as you if I was in front of them I'd say don't apply if you don't know what you want to do yet take some time and live in the real world because there's it's seen as like a bad thing if you end up you know working the teller mcdonald's was always seen as the worst job in the world but like go and work at mcdonald's for a year and you'll say i don't want to be here forever so let me go and do something that i've now hopefully discovered in this year it's nuts because head girl in my year i remember the headmaster talking about every everyone applying for ucas and he stood there and was like do you really this is literally what he said the infamous quote that we all kind of went that isn't okay he stood and went, do you really want to spend the rest of your life going, would you like fries with that? And there was a pencil drop because everyone went, that's really outdated and offensive. And the head girl then put her hand up as you had to. And he was like, yes, Katie. And she was like, I'm a manager in McDonald's part-time. And he was like, oh, and you could just hear that awkward, like we were all like, yeah, this works in McDonald's, one because she has to like, he digs her parents, study, like, this isn't the kind of thing that you should be saying because it's very judgmental and rude. Do you know what I mean? So uh, rude. And, and it's just, it's, it, there's so many other problems with like uni and like paying to go and fees and, and how it's like classes and how it, you know, benefits people who have tutors and all that stuff. But like, I, I think that everything, I think if you've not worked in either retail or hospitality in your life, you've not seen like the way that people are treated in those jobs. And I think if you work one day in those, you will then have respect for every one of those people that you would come across in your life. Totally. I totally agree with you. Um, yeah. Because when you talk about high school, like, I loved fifth and sixth year. I had the same as you, first, third year. So I've got, oh, there's the gable, etc. When you're walking down the corridor, um, I went to quite, like, a like bad school, though. Like, we had quite a bad rate of, like, bullying, and there was a big centre for people that needed support. Um, it's great now though they've got like one of the first LGBT groups in Edinburgh that are for the wow. school it's kind of yeah it's flipped it's so weird because when I went I'm like that wasn't a thing and it's amazing that I have that um, but I just remember fifth and sixth year was sort of the infamous Rihanna Lau t-shirt the chinos I remember you mentioning on the Screen Queens thing I did the beano, beanie hat like do you know what I mean like, I loved a grey beanie on the back of some floppy fringe here I was doing this I was doing that every two seconds same um, so in the lead up to the pandemic, what had you, I know a lot of people probably would know, but what had you been doing project wise with, um, just with Dragon in general beforehand? Um, I mean, so right before, I can't remember when we started, but basically I used to do Mother Tucker and then not too long before the pandemic, we swapped over to take over Tuesdays. So every Tuesday, one of the five Mother Tucker queens would um, host their own show and riding room. And, you know, it was on rotation, so you only had, like, once a month. But um, I think one of the real projects that a lot of us were working on because of that was, like, you had a full two-hour show. You got to book guests if you wanted, or you could do it solo. You can choose whatever material you want. It can be a fully creatable show. So that was one of the things that we... Um, it was kind of brand new to us, and we were still experimenting with it in terms of, like, how best to deliver the punch. And I think that... If and when, you know, we come back, that's one of the first things that I'm excited to get back to. Um, in terms of other projects, obviously myself and Rajazzo have the Bingo Babes and we were kind of doing bingo all across Scotland and the UK. Um, other projects, I guess, um, I 
we right before the pandemic i was um we 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 moved in april on the first week of april so during massive lockdown oh. um so i already knew in like february march that we were going to be moving to a new flat and so i was planning what i was going to do in the new space because we'd seen it already and uh, you know it's two bedrooms and the second bedroom is now my drag room so it's entirely set up um with like a full makeup desk and like racks of clothes and stuff so one of the things that I was projecting was like how to use this space effectively um, and that's been fun being able to unpack and, and quarantine because you've got unlimited time um, other projects uh, I just like upping my game you know it's a drag queen's eternal thing to always be improving your looks improving your performance improving your talents so that was that was what I was doing pre pre COVID pre pandemic at least. That's brilliant, and that kind of falls on nicely to our next question. So, how have you found adapting to your old digital drag? Um, how have you found the process? Here's the here's the thing. I, specifically with digital drag, I I don't have a problem performing to an empty room. I know a lot of queens are like, I can't do it. That's fine for me. Can perform to an empty room as good as I can to a full room. Um, Setting up the lighting, the backdrop, absolutely fine. See if every live digital drag number was just like live and I could perform it live. I would do them every single day of the week. It is the editing that fucks me over. I, 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 there's been numbers that I've spent like five days trying to edit because the number one thing is like trying to get the music matched up with the lip sync. Stop it, yeah. I've spent like five hours on one clip before and the whole mix is like 12 different clips and five hours just to get it because there, there was one that I think I did like 25 drafts of the video because each time it was like a frame out and I had to adjust and then export, adjust, export. It's diabolical. Um, and this is the thing, I was speaking to friends gender the other day about it. See if, you know, if money was no problem and I could get someone to edit it, I'd be pumping out digital drag left, right, and center because I'd be like, here's 40 different camera angles. Here's how I want it. Um, and in the beginning, before the editing became a hassle, I remember the first two or three digital drag performances, I was like, this is really fun because it's like many music videos. It's kind of, you can take your art, you can perfect it, you can kind of rough off the edges, um, or sorry, edge off the rough stuff. Um, and actually, it's an idea that I remember way, way back in 2017 or 2018, back in Mother Tucker days when we were doing two numbers a week and they were kind of long, like, narrative pieces. I remember saying to someone, um, you know, my, my ideal preservation of this would be like a mini music video for each performance. And cut to digital drag, that's exactly what they became. But um, I think the thing with digital drag is that you you are in control of how much effort you put in. Like, you can just film one shot, top to bottom, it's, it's not edited, and you just put the track over, and that's really easy to put out. And it's like, if you're in a rush, that works. Um, but for me, I'm always like, even in, in, in real life, the type of drag that I enjoy watching, the type of drag that I'm attracted to is always concept it's always comedy, it's always like a story. And so like my, my, my issue with digital drag was that like, yes, everyone looks gorgeous, 
but is there like content there? Um, and so that's what I'm always trying to do with my digital drag numbers and make it so that there's something to pay attention to. Um, but I, I, I didn't find the actual transition hard. It's just the editing. That's it. See, this is every person I've talked to, like that does drag, has said this. It's the editing process. You know, it, it's very great. Like when I done that documentary BBC, I got to sit there, look pretty. I said, "Oh, where do I look?" But I can happily do that and sit and go, "Do I look here? Right, I'll chat. Do I DJ here? Right." But I didn't have to then go away and edit it. And I remember when they had finished the first draft, they had messaged me, "Right, we've got it. We've got the first draft done." but we've been asked to do another one and they were going to take another two months to get me a draft to watch. And I thought, mm -hmm. like, why is it taking that long? But then I realised doing digital drag. Ah, right, a five-minute performance I've done took me a week. I can't imagine what a 30-minute... So long. Exactly. It's so long. I was going to go ask, for it. What is um, your favourite one you've done so far of your digital performances? I think I've got to, um, the Carrington Bar one I did for last night is really, I think, some of my best work. Have you not seen it? I need so, to show last night. It was in rehearsals, but I'm, you need to let me see this. I love Carrington Bar. It's up on Facebook and it's up on Instagram. It's basically, one of my favourite Carrington Bar sketches of all time is Almost Angelic. God, yes. So I've, I've done a 10-minute, like, I'm playing Karen, I'm playing Angela, which is the character, and it's a they release like a Christmas album. So I'm playing Karen and my partner is playing Ricky. So he's, he's features in it and it cuts to him. And we do like, drag the holes with bows of holly. And it cuts to him and he goes, la 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 la. So that, that I, I, A, it took like a day to edit. So that was beautiful. Um, and I like, that's my type of comedy. I'm influenced by like Scottish comedy and like really things from my childhood. So I think that is now my favourite of all time, but there is a special place in my heart for my silent movie mix, which was the first one I did. Um, because that's a one of the really funny things about digital drag is that me and a couple of the Mother Sucker girls were talking about it. There's things that you'll do on a stage and in your head you're like, oh, this is going to be really good, this is going to be super funny, it's going to work. And you do the number on stage and it's like, oh, that didn't work for some reason, I don't know why. And with digital drag, I know a lot of people, and, and I did it as well, a lot of people were like, I'm going to immortalise my best work in digital drag. And I did that for the first few numbers. And then when it got to later on, and I was like, I don't know what I want to do anymore, I said, I'm going to use this digital drag as a way to improve mixes that didn't work in person. So that's what happened with my Super Nanny mix, because I did that in person. And I was, um, I, I remember... When I did it in person, I was just playing Joe Frost and it didn't really work because there was no one to play off of and you couldn't get a lot of the comedy beats. But when you can do Digital Dragon play four or five or six different characters, you can play off a lot of things that you could never do in person. Um, so that's that's one of the other fun things about Digital Drag. Funny. So like you, I watched the Mother Tucker Halloween one and I absolutely was in pieces at your like wolf out tonight from Ren. Obviously because one, I love Ren. I love out tonight. Oh, sure. One of my favourite songs. But that, when you had said on it, sometimes you sit and you write a random idea and you find it years later on your phone. Like I have literally got books and journals everywhere that I keep one by my bed. I'm that wanky. I keep one by my bed that when I'm like, I'm going to bed, 
at two in the morning, I'll go, oh, that's a great idea, and I write it down, and it makes absolutely no sense the next day, but it's quite funny to wake up to it. And some of them are performances, like I did Marge Simpson ladies for lunch from the company, and it was the most ridiculous, random thing, but actually it totally worked. And it's stuff like that that I'm like, they actually can sometimes be the best product when you don't realise Yeah. I think I've got a full list of them on my phone and I sometimes it's that thing of there's so many times my favourite mixes are when someone takes a song and uses it in a way you don't expect, right? So sometimes you'll be sitting in the car and you'll hear a song on the radio and you'll kind of know it or you won't or a certain lyric will say something to you and you're like, oh my God, that would be so funny if you did this as this person. But there's so many times that I've said that, not written it down and I'll never remember it. So as soon as I have a thought, I'll write it down and sometimes I'll have a thought and I'll say that's really funny and I'll go to write it down and I'll realise that it works with something else that I've written and then you can push the two of them together and say that's an entire mix right there because it's this song, then this and then this song um, and I think that it, it, it's the easiest way to look for inspiration from yourself because if you're like, see that werewolf one from Out Tonight? I wrote that down maybe in 2017 and it sat in my phone ever since because I was I used to perform I still do I perform out tonight all the time and I always remember that when she sings out tonight I was like that sounds like a werewolf and I usually perform as a werewolf even if I'm just dressed as a female I'll like oh tonight and I thought that's such an easy thing to do um, and then when I was looking for ideas for the Halloween show I was like that's what I'm gonna do so it, it's great that when you're in times of trouble you can go what have I already thought of that could be so good here and it saves you excess like hassle most of the time before we go on to the next question and I have something funny to tell you this week go I had a moment this week where I was like oh I want to treat myself and I maybe spent far too much money on it but I managed to get a copy on Amazon of Karen Dunbar show on DVD <gasps> oh my goodness you need to rip them and send them to me I've watched everything that's on YouTube but I there's stuff and the other thing is, like, I love most of our characters in Chewing the Fat as well, so there's plenty to work with, right? Um, I had to Google and see if she's done a Christmas special because I was like, I don't want to, like, completely rip off any ideas here. Um, but I, genuinely the funniest person I know, I, I was doing Karen and Bar impressions in, like, school, and I there's not many people that I think that I remember that from my childhood and I remember that being funny, but that is such one of them. I love her. So... Next question uh, I'd like to ask. You've been doing kind of two projects during the pandemic. Um, the ba Bingo Babe Station and Screen mm -hmm. Jazzle, which is your podcast. If you could kind of um, tell us more about those, that'd be great. So I'll start with Screen Queens. Queens spelled K-W-E-E-N-S. Um, that's the podcast that me and Ruth started because we wanted to talk about how drag is represented in mainstream media specifically in like films um, and it's because like you know if you're a drag queen in the world there is a very high likelihood that you will get compared to someone from Drag Race but we want to try and because a lot of our fans do watch Drag Race and some of them that's their only point of reference for drag so the idea of the podcast was trying to, trying to like expand people's horizons of like where drag has already been seen on screen and a lot of these, a lot of the things that we're watching, there's so many quotes that you'll know, but you won't know that it's from this. And so the idea was to A, expand people's horizons of like how drag has been represented before Drag Race and after Drag Race. And then the second thing was to talk about how 
uh, like how real the perspectives and representations of drag that those were. Like we as we as queens, me and Rue, we've done a lot of work in a lot of different places across the UK and across Scotland. And sometimes you'll meet people who don't understand the the things that we do and the things that we have to do and the, and the basically like one of the biggest things is the time that it takes to get into drag like mm-hmm. we've done shows before where you know we, we're going to a venue we're getting ready at the venue and the show starts at eight and they're like oh so you arrive in like half seven and we're like no we need to do makeup and they were like oh so seven then we we're like no we're arriving at like half four because we need to be ready for eight so I think one of the reasons that we talk about it is like there's common tropes and there's common things that you think about drag queens or you don't think about that we are trying to like say, is this realistic? Are they talking about actual things that drag queens think about and have to go through or is it like for comedic purposes? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think one of the other things is what we found by doing it, um, cross-dressing and drag was always seen as uh, a joke and it was always used for comedic effect and you don't see it as much these days in, in, in media today but back in you know earlier um 20th century some of the best comedy films of all time had drag but when you we, when we watch it as drag queens and through a 2020 lens it's not if, if you see the cross-dressing being made into the joke it just isn't funny today. And so we want to try and point out that like that might have been a trope in the past, but times have changed and hopefully we're at a place where people that are cross-dressing and people that are drag queens and anyone who's in the LGBTQ plus community shouldn't be the punchline of any anything. It should You should get to see them as a fully realised human being and not, I'm a drag queen, so I do these things. I'm always sassy. I'm always in drag, like... Talking about the real and the fake things when it comes to cross-dressing and drag queens. It's brilliant. And I loved it. Like, I love being a part of that and doing the She's in episode with you. Like, obviously, for me, Shakespeare was obviously a big thing in that. But, like, I'm talking and working with a quite well-known established theatre company at the moment about sort of how drag is almost similar to Shakespeare back in the day when theatre started. Do you know what I mean? So, no, it's a great podcast. I and mean, I love listening to all the episodes. Um Thank you, and thank you for being on it. You were a great guest, and you had plenty to say about She's the Man, so we appreciate your thoughts. Oh, no, that's brilliant. Um, and then, obviously, the bingo Babe Station, is that right? Yeah. Babe Station, um, obviously based on the television show of a similar name. Yeah. Um, basically, as soon as, as soon as things got locked down and we closed, you know, everyone was on quarantine, um, me and Rue are professional drag queens. This is our full-time gig. This is how we make money. We don't have other jobs on the side. So we had to find a way to continue working and continue making money um, even when people couldn't come and see us in shows. So the Babe Station was a way to kind of reach our bingo fans. Um, thankfully, a lot of them do follow us and do come and support the shows, um, especially like back in March and April when there was people were interested in logging on for digital drag and it wasn't as you know dead as it is today um we we would have a lot of viewers and we'd have really fun conversations and um it was loads of fun to like do it online um and also like a way to keep in contact and catch up with Rue because like we talk every day but doing it on a stream and like seeing each other and like having a laugh I'm, I'm sure that's probably contributed to like 
keeping us sane throughout the pandemic, like being on camera with each other at least once a month. Um, and then as soon as kind of people started to get tired of digital drag in general, you know, the bingo kind of dropped a wee bit. So we introduced um, the quizzes because I love writing quiz. And uh, the other thing we did was the variety show because in all of this, we hadn't really been doing a lot of performing. And then um, we had conversations about how like, oh, we're probably getting rusty and we're probably not, you know, I've not worn heels since March and I will not. Um, but we decided to do the variety show because it was more like interactive with the audience, but also it allowed us to like, you know, stretch out our muscles and do some performing and lip syncing and stuff. So it's been, it's been really fun. And um, I think we've really gotten to know our audience a lot better and what they enjoy. And we've got to like, you know, keep up our, our work and keep up the things that we need to do to be on the ball for whenever we get back into performing live. Um, and I mean, hopefully there's not going to be too many more because we'll be back in live soon. But we've said to our audience and we and we said to each other, like, as, as long as we are not allowed to perform live, we will be performing online. But we keep it sporadic enough that people are still interested in playing along. Um, and even like some of the bingos we've done elsewhere, the prizes have been shite. But like we give away an Amazon voucher every single time, which is never a bad thing. You'll always say yes to that despite supporting Jeff Bezos. Um, but yeah, so hopefully there's not going to be too many more, but we've enjoyed doing it this year and it's definitely kept us sane. It's great. And I think like the thing is, like Zoom quizzes were so popular back in March. I think after literally three weeks, I knew everyone was doing a pub quiz with family. So when yeah. I seen you two were doing that, I mean, it makes sense. Like I'm seeing totally. the things, but I'm also seeing how can you transfer drag to online and keep things going. Um, and I think that's brilliant. Um, yeah, yeah. You touched briefly on it, so it leads on to my next question, which is okay. And um, how have you managed to cope during the pandemic? Is there any kind of things you've done differently, or kind of words of wisdom you could offer other people listening that you might have not considered? I I think I'm in the minority here. I think I'm the outlier. I've not hated being in quarantine. I I actually have really quite enjoyed quarantine because I am a I'm an I'm an antisocial extrovert. So, like, I love being louder than life. I am extroverted, but I also hate being social. So, not having to leave the house. There was stretches where I didn't leave for, like, seven seven weeks or, or like, I just didn't leave the house because there was no reason to because my partner's away. He would do a lot of... He would get all the shopping, he would do all that, and I would just do all the housework because I didn't leave the house. Um, I think one of the things... Um, I purport, not just in pandemic, but before that as well, I think rule number one is to try and not spend excess time on social media. Um, you can you can waste your entire day sitting on Twitter or sitting on YouTube, sitting on Instagram. And I, I spend time on them and I, I scroll through them and I do it more than I should. But I also know that, this sounds weird, but like I think social media means nothing. I think it's like the void. I, I think that, not a lot that happens on social media like really matters in the real world like you can have a hashtag after you but like is it gonna come into your house and pay your bills or you know like do something for you um and so my my main thing is that I was doing a lot of I was video gaming a lot because uh, that you can spend 40 million hours on that um and also like I, I've been trying to form better habits in terms of like 
my day-to-day life. So like before this year, I never made my bed every single morning, but it's the first thing I do as soon as I get out of it today. Um, and like get into more like healthy eating habits because I very rarely have three meals a day. I usually have like a breakfast and then a big dinner. So I'm like trying to trying to improve my the running of the machine basically. Um, and, and find things to keep busy. I mean, I'm I'm if I spend too long with my brain, I will definitely spiral. So it's like saying to yourself, right, I'm going to go and paint that entire room. I'm going to Hoover and do all the deep cleaning today. I'm going to take out the recycling. I'm going to, I'm going to organize my closet based on color or based on garment and stuff. Um, I, I, I think I'll always find a way to keep busy. I'm very envious. There's, there's Queens on in, in the Scottish scene who like are such powerhouses and workhorses that they've been like, I need to be busy with work. So like, I'm going to style every wig I have, or I'm going to write a new album or I'm going to do YouTube stuff. That's not my cup of tea, but I definitely wish I had that kind of work hardness where I was like, I'm going to accomplish seven tasks today, whatever they may be. But um, I, I don't I don't know if I'm in the best position to give advice to people other than stay off social media. I, I don't think it's healthy to spend, uh, you know, excess time on there. Um, and one of the other things when it comes to social media is the way that I use, specifically Instagram, I think, I follow a lot of like creators on there who are not drag queens, but that are just expressive people. And I love looking at their art. So like I follow a lot of like illustrators who draw pictures and draw like characters. Um, and I think that if you can be inspired in a way that is not like looking up here and being like, oh, she's got great hair. I really like that. I think if you use Instagram as a way to like expand your horizons rather than narrow in, I think that's the best way to use it. And I would, you know, suggest that you follow people that you didn't think you should be following. Follow that, um, follow that painter, follow that sculptor, follow that, um, you know, macrame artist, whatever it is they do, like expand into different areas because if your Instagram feed becomes the same dresses, the same hair, the same people, it can get like, you, you don't want to spend time on there basically. I love, do you know what's so funny? You're saying, oh, I don't really know if I can offer much advice, but that's literally a bit of advice no one's mentioned yet. No. No one on the podcast has said, oh, I would avoid social media. It can be quite, uh, you know, bad for your mental health. I used to, in April and to May, I was constantly on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Refreshing, refreshing, refresh. Because I do. And I was like, do you know what? And maybe need to find other things to do. Um, and I talked to a lot of people that have gotten type thing that tells them at vlogs how much they do a day so they screen time and stuff I and I think that's great and you've just brought it to my attention and to everyone else's attention so thank you for that I, the thing is that like I, I can only speak from my experience and I know that there is a lot of people who who have to use social media because they feel like there is no one in their life that really understands things the, the way that they do so there's a lot of like members of the trans community who don't have other trans people in their life or in their immediate close circle in the same town that they live in. And going on social media is a way to connect with people in your tribe, let's say, because that's a great word to describe it. And so I'm not saying that um, it's it's not a good thing at all and that there's nothing to come of it. But I also think that like, if if you are using it to connect to people like yourself and to find the people that are like you, Find those people and then move to something. Text them, phone them, 
don't spend your day just reading what they're saying and interacting with them. Because I, I think most interactions on public platforms are like not your true self. I think that people are putting on like a, I'm cooler than I am, or I'm wittier than I am, or I'm everything's fine, you know? And I think that um, using social media as a way to connect people is great. But once you've made those connections, take it or, you know, Facebook message them, don't post on their wall. I think that having conversations, even on FaceTime on Zoom, that's, that's the way to really make the best of these apps. Because if it's social media and you don't feel like it's helping you be more social with the people that you want to be, then it's not doing its job. It's funny, that's literally when I've been doing these podcast episodes, I have sat and said, I want to invite guests on or have people speak to me that I've only known through a Twitter follow. I've never actually spoken to them properly. Like, I interviewed last week a BBC social journalist who had no clue what she would be like, who she was, and I sat and was like, this is such a lovely getting to know session as well as you sharing your work. So, yeah. Hey, um, so kind of New Year's coming up. And I, I want to throw this your way because I think it's, I've been spending a lot of this week. I hate, I'm not a big fan of New Year's resolutions. I don't kind of believe in the whole, I'm going to quit drinking in 2021. I mean, absolutely, I'm not going to quit drinking. Lol. Anyone else that wants to, like, not to dispute that they shouldn't, but. I'm not a big believer in a New Year resolution that I'm going to get rid of something. I'm more of a, I set goals that I just like to enjoy. And go, right, I've got my goals for this year. What will they be? Every year I write them down on paper. And I just wondered, kind of, what were your goals going into the new year and when hopefully things return to normal? Well, I'm going to think of mine just now, but I'm very interested. I want to hear what yours are. Mine? Oh, okay. Uh, right. I have basically said that also the house liability is going live in a venue on Friday nights, which is going to be my baby. I'm going to have to nurture that. And it's going to be so much fun because digitally doing it, we've already talked about the first show, we want to do our favourite digital performance on stage and we do it. So there's discussions of that. That'll be on Friday nights. It's really exciting. I've just started like working with the Social, so I want to do sort of strand videos doing sort of LGBT education, but for straight people essentially. Which I think yeah. is helpful. That's cool. Um, I am working with National Theatre Scotland, which is like amazing. So I've got that kind of coming in either February or March. And uh, I just found out that I got a residency with OnSafe, which is like Theatre Campaign Friends. Nice. They have basically wanted me to do a sort of drag performance of telling the story of Fife, which I think is wild. Like, wow. Yeah, which I'm interviewing, I know, I'm interviewing people from Fife about it. But um, their kind of things, their tasks and goals, I, I kind of um, think I want to go back to dating. Like, that's the most random thing. She's but, ready to jump back in. Yeah, well, I took, I've been reading this book that I would recommend anyone read, even if you are in a relationship called Keeping the Love You Side. And it's all about kind of discovering who you are. And I just think they say normally wait six months to a year after you've read it. And that's nearly been six months. And I'm like, yeah, I'm quite ready to go back. Yeah. And, and in terms of other goals, like, I think I want to spend more time with family just because I got in contact with cousins with, like, three kids, right? And when you get to a certain age, you start, like, when there's a baby involved, you can't see each other's I just, I, I log out as soon as there's a baby involved. I mean, I'm like, I'll babysit if you need me, but I haven't seen her properly for three years, so it was last month in November we started having a coffee date every week, and we've been doing that. And I'm like, I want to spend more time with family in the year, definitely. So there, kind of mind. What about yourself? I think um, 
one of the things that I have done this year, kind of in the last few months that I've never really done before is like sewing and like creating garments because, you know, as a drag queen, it's very easy to just pick something up from the shop, wear it and, and do whatever. But I think that one of the things I often um, need to improve on, I mean, I'm not a look queen at all. It's the thing that I, I came into the game with the worst look and every day I'm just trying to get better and better and better. So one of the things that I, I'm going to try and continue doing in the new year is basically um, creating looks myself um, and being and being more in control of the, the, the visuals that I put out there. That's specifically just for drag. Um, I actually agree with you. One of mine is also to get better with my family because I'm one of 10 kids. So like there's, there's like nine brothers and sisters and then there's nieces and nephews, right? Um, and so the Scorpio in me says, I'm going to focus on me. You all go and do your own thing. Um, but it's funny, when I met my partner, he is one of two and he like texts his mom every day and they phone like once a week. And I was, I remember being at the start being like, wow, that's a lot. But actually it's not. And it's just, I am the complete opposite side. So I think one of the things that I want to do is kind of just like become a, a closer family member in my own family. Cause I'm like checked out most of the time in it. Uh, I think those are my main two. Like one of them is personal, one of them is business. And, and, and just generally like try to, work harder like I I think I like I said when someone tells me to do something I'll do it but I think I need to try and develop that like doing it on my own and and telling myself to do it um one of the things that this year I have been better at is like I used to put off tasks so much like I remember when I first moved to Glasgow it took me like two years to go to a dentist because I was like I I don't want to see like phoning them up and telling your details and getting registered and then booking an appointment and then going to the appointment. All that was like, I'll do it later. But see this year, like one of the things that I, I think is a great piece of advice is like, see if you just do it as soon as it comes up, you save yourself five days of being like, I need to do that. I need to do that. I need to do that. And you just get it done. And it takes a minute. It takes two seconds to do it. Um, so, like, I got a letter in the other day to, like, um, because we moved flat, it was like, you need to register to vote at your new address. And usually I would read that letter and leave it sitting for a month and be like, oh, I'm not going to do that. I sat down on the laptop, I did it, and it was done within 10 minutes. It took 10 minutes to just do it, and I don't need to worry about it. And so I have been getting better at it, but I want to continue getting better at that, where it's like, oh, if I'm doing a gig and I need to style this wig for tomorrow, I'm going to style the wig and not say, oh, I'll do it tomorrow, and then not do it and wear something that I'm not happy with. So that's my New Year's goals and resolutions. Brilliant. What is your favourite thing in your work that you've accomplished so far? Um, it's actually quite a recent thing. One of the, one of the things that I'm going to try and kind of do a lot more of in 2020 moving forward, um, I during, the, during lockdown and during the quarantine I was going back and forth with uh I'm not sure how much I can say basically I did a bit of filming with a with a director and they're doing a documentary about uh, a famous person um, I'm not going to say the name of the person because I don't know if I'm allowed to say yet but it was basically like um I got to this is like with actual like you know steady cams and like real like production production and I got to 
um, I got to sing, I got to act, and I got to do like actual, you know, theater work. Got to do a monologue where I like broke down in tears and it was so like cathartic to, to be like, I'm actually like acting again because I'm not, there's not that many opportunities in, you know, the drag scene to do theater, to do like acting monologues and to do anything other than like entertaining stuff. So I remember leaving that day of filming being like, I, I want to do more of this. I want to like, I, I want to have the opportunity to do things that inspire me um, and, and, and develop my craft as it would be. Um, and so that, that, that was a really, that was a really fun piece of work. And I hope that things will come of it in terms of like acting and singing and doing theater stuff. Brilliant. That's amazing. Where can people find you on social media to give you a cheeky follow? I am at the CG Banks on all social media, um, mainly Instagram. I don't really use Facebook, Twitter. I just retweet funny shit. Um, I, 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 I don't use social media that much, I'm going to be honest, because I, I, I like to keep a private life, basically. So follow me on Instagram, because if there's anything you need to know, it'll be there. And also one of the things that I'm going to be doing on Instagram is like, as I sew stuff, I like to give like a behind the scenes work in progress shots. So if you're interested, you can find me over there. That's brilliant. Before we finish up the episode, we do this every time. Um, I would love for you to share the quote you've brought for the episode. So this is a quote, it's actually a line from a musical. Um, it's from Title of Show. I don't know if you know it. Do you know it? Don't know it, no. It's a really, it's a really small, it's a, it's a musical about writing a musical, basically. And there's one of the songs that I, I'm going to try and adapt it and sing it at some point in my, my career, but one of the main lines, and I'm going to paraphrase it to make it, well, I'll, I'll tell you the original and then I'll tell you how I interpret it. The line is, I'd rather be nine people's favourite thing than a hundred people's ninth favourite thing. And so I interpret it as, I'd rather be nine people's favourite queen for doing exactly what I want to do than be a hundred people's ninth favourite queen for trying to fit in. And that's the quote that I'm going to leave you with. I'm unapologetically a Scorpio. I love that. So you. I don't know what that means, but I'll take that. I'll take that. CJ Banks, thank you so much for joining me. This has honestly been great. What a lovely episode. Thank you so much for having me, Georgie. Where can the children find you on social media? Plug yourself. They can find me on Jory Delight Official on Instagram and Jory underscore Delight on Twitter. Fabulous. Thank you so much. You're a great interviewer. Oh, thank you. Honestly, what a lovely episode to listen back to. I really enjoyed doing this. Um, my nana was a Scorpio, so I often do get on with Scorpios quite easily. And I think that the Scorpio and the Aquarius and the Zodiac are very much the sorcerer and the philosopher, so they kind of go hand in hand at creating spells and putting things together. Absolutely love it. Spellbinding, I guess. <laughs> so I don't know why I'm doing this like weird cackle, I think, because I was playing a witch in a Shakespeare show I'd done last week. I'm like convinced that I'm a witch now. And please, if you're a pagan, don't be offended by that, because I genuinely actually am looking into like practicing to be a pagan. Um, but yeah, honestly, what a great episode. It was so lovely to get to know CJ. A lot of things in common, especially, oh God, that Chino-Rihanna era. What a time to be alive that was. I find that really inspirational, and I know I say that a lot, but honestly, everyone in everyday life inspires me, but 
hearing someone have a boyfriend and be openly out at school, especially in a Catholic school, is amazing. And we often forget that, especially myself, that growing up, being queer wasn't easy. And I love hearing younger queer people tell me that they can walk around the corridor holding hands with the same sex or other people in the queer community without fear of judgment or worry. And I just think that's amazing. But I think people like CGL have had they'll played a part in helping that happen and it really has made a difference and again fantastic guest really enjoyed talking to them please do give cg a follow on all the social medias they advertised i will say as well on youtube honestly watching like cg sing thing on the men from like jekyll and hyde what a vibe like i did that like for my like emmy and did a grinder piece and it was all wild and it was so much fun and watching but I can very much see that CG probably like will go back to this movie they were talking about and do stage productions in the future you know like House of Liability will be going live one day we'll definitely have CG and Rue in the future I can see that happening thank you so much for joining Afternoon Delight we're back on Boxing Day with the last guest of season one um it's going to honestly be a lovely last episode so please if you're an avid listener do take part and engage and have a wee listen. And until then, as always, like I always say, stay safe and remember to breathe. Afternoon Delight. Real people, real stories, a local podcast for local artists.